Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to have Kevin Waldron on the call with us today. He is the founder of Waldron Leadership, and you can find that at waldronleadership.com. And I've gotten the chance to hang out with Kevin for a couple days, actually in sunny San Diego. And he's just an amazing person, has some very keen insights into entrepreneurship, into business, and his background, which you can go check out more on Waldron Leadership. But he built a company to 200 employees and 24 million a year in sales. And this was like a brick and mortar type business. And and I say that because a lot of the people who I interview are on the online space. And there's a lot of value in that too. But to have done that in a physical brick and mortar space is really, I think, really fascinating. He's now taken that insight and he helps other business owners, again, whether they're brick and mortar or online or otherwise. And so anyway, I wanted to bring him on the show because of the conversations we had when we were in person. And I wanted to specifically kick it off with this idea of, of leadership. So we were just talking before we hit the record button about leadership and this idea that that sometimes people hear that word and, and they think they need to be something that they're not. And so that's how we're going to kick it off today. But Kevin, before we get to that, I just want to say thanks for being on In the Trenches with us. Hey, my pleasure, Tom. I'm really happy to be with you. Yeah. So, okay. So this idea of leadership, I really liked how you, you mentioned that, you know, and I, I see that. So it's this idea that when people talk about leadership, it immediately, I think we get these ideas or these visions of something that we're not or something that we must become. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm really passionate about this right now. I, I was having a great conversation with a, a female client a couple of days ago or on Friday, who's a really powerful, really powerful woman, powerful business leader, but very self-effacing and very understated and, you know, doesn't think she's all that in a bag of chips, but gets stuff done at a rate that would put you and I to shame, right? I mean, just really mm. powerful. And I said, well, what, what do you think a leader looks like? Uh, and we kind of hemmed and hawed about it a little bit. But what it came down to was when, when you think of the word leader, when you say the word leader, I think most of us, even me included, who, who's been doing this for a long time, the image that comes to mind when you say leader is this sort of white bread, early 40s looking guy with a square jaw, you know, and a power tie. That's what we think a leader is. Mm. So when we're starting a business, we, you know, we don't have any frame of reference and we go, yeah. all right, to be a successful entrepreneur, uh, that must be what I need to be like. And then immediately we've lost all that power and agency and, and all the really cool stuff that makes us who we are in the first place. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's fascinating about that when I think about that is, you know, because we use these words, you know, in the English or any language, words themselves, they have some sort of like meaning and, and leadership has a symbolic meaning, at least in the West, right? And mm -hmm. so when you hear it, yeah, it makes sense that it manifests visions of something that you're not by its nature, because you're like, oh, this person's a leader. So therefore, leadership is what this person is doing. And then that gets, I think, compounded by the fact that when you read these articles on, on magazines and, and newspapers and all these things that they're doing, uh, or, or all these different outlets that talk about leadership, it's always, here are like 10 ways to be a better leader and blah, 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 whatever, right? <laughs> right. Which just compounds this idea that, it's, that there's an archetype 
for the leader, which I think is a dangerous thing. And it's like, cause then it's like, well, I can't, I, it ha- then it means I have to become something I'm not. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think you're bang on. Quite frankly, most of the business press stuff that you see these days, and especially in the online space, because we're so starved for time and attention and all the clickbait stuff, all the leadership stuff you see online, it's almost like a Cosmo quiz, right? Cosmopolitan quiz. <laughs> 10 steps to have your lover be more amazed in bed. Um, and then we, we read these 10 things and we go, oh, crap, well, I'm not any of those. And then you get deflated. And again, totally taken away from what it is that makes you unique. I swear to God, this isn't like a self-help statement or, or a fluff you up statement. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you are one of 7 billion people on the planet. Only you, absolutely only you can do what it is that you do. Nobody else can do what you do. Richard Branson can't do it. Steve Jobs couldn't have done it. Tom Morcus can't have done it. Only you can do it. So the work that I did with people is how do you bring out that, that uniqueness that you've already got? You don't have to go anywhere else to get it. Now, you might have to go get some skill sets. Let's say you're going to run a business and you don't know much about uh, sales or marketing or accounting or whatever. You might have to go learn some stuff. But who you are and what you do, that's unique. Nobody can take that away from you. And not only can they not take it away from you, that's the stuff that needs to get polished and burnished and, and brought to the fore. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too, because I think it's this idea of leadership too. It's like, I think anytime you're you're doing something where other people are, I won't say following, because that's a weird weird way to put it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's that's a natural way to look at it too. Lead, follow, like it's kind of kind of makes sense as well. But but any anytime where people are following or people are or at least working with you in some capacity to achieve some sort of goal, you are by nature a leader. I think it's less about here, okay, I need to become this archetype to to do this thing. And it's and it's more like, hey, if you are in this position where that you're trying to accomplish a goal and you want to use like the collective energy of other people and, and tech and software and tools, then you are by by nature a leader. And then there are ways that you can improve that and 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 like you said, like learn these different skills that complement that and make you a better leader. But I think it's, it, I think that's maybe an important frame of reference there. That it's not about becoming a better leader, quote unquote. It's improving your skill sets in a bunch of different areas that taken together make you a better leader. And no, absolutely, Tom. And, and I, I love what you said there. You said the word because you can accord it where you said, "Well, it's not really about following." Because if it's about following, right, that's the old, you know, military style, right? And exactly. I might work in the military, and I know your military background, right. Um, which is prestigious, by the way, there has to be that sort of command and control. Yes. I would imagine in that setting, otherwise all hell breaks loose, right? Right, exactly. At least in the business world, nobody is making us do anything when we're, when we're in business. So it is a bit collective. It isn't about telling people what to do. And it isn't about motivating people either, because that I don't think that works. It, it pumps people up, but it doesn't. Once you walk out the room, then they go right back to where they were before. So you use the word collective. A really simple way to talk about it for me is, one huge aspect of leadership is whoever you're working with inside your company, whether it's vendors, subcontractors, if you actually have employees on site, it comes down to two things. Your ability to communicate where the company's gone. So if you can imagine four or five people standing in a room, that would be your ability to say, hey, this is where this company's gone in the next 18 months or two years. We're going to do this. We're going to accomplish this. We're going to open new offices down here. We're going to bring this new product to market. And then right behind that needs to be, and this is what your part in that is. Yeah. 
any time I've ever done it, it absolutely, it's like taking a big samurai sword to all the confusion. It cuts right through it and it just says, this is where we're going and this is what your part in it is. And you get almost immediate buy-in from people. You get immediate clarity because you've just showed people where where the goalposts are and you've told them how to get there and how to, so I don't want you to be a running back. I want you to be a wide receiver. Oh, good. That's me. I'm ridiculous. And then, then you can just unleash your people. I love that too. And you know, again, it's a great way to put it because tying this to the idea of maybe of somebody who's a freelancer, I guess, coach, consultant, anybody who's maybe doing, or, you know, that, that word, I don't really, I hate it actually, solopreneur, but, solopreneur. but it's, a, it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a thing. I mean, I kind of disagree with it fundamentally, but, but anybody who's working on their own right now, and it's still kind of maybe a, a team of one plus maybe some mm-hmm. contractors who are part-time or something like that or intermittent. I think that the same thing goes. And it's like, you have to lead yourself in some ways, like you still have to be the leader. And, and like what you, what you said were, were two important things. One is, this is the direction and the end state or the objective. And this is how we're going to get there. And this is your role. So it's like, if I'm still a, you know, a freelancer of one or something like that, I still have to be those things and to be able to tell myself that. Because otherwise, I think what, it, what ends up happening is, is floundering. And so I, obviously, that's probably deadly in a company where you have like real employees and stuff like that. But I think it's deadly for the individual too. Like if you don't have that direction... Absolutely. It's even more deadly if you're an individual because if you have other employees around about you or other staff, when you say something that doesn't land right, like when it comes out of your mouth, you can read people's body language. You can go, oh, that sounds like crap. That didn't look like it landed. When you're a leader of one, it's like an echo chamber. You don't yeah. always know how, how it's coming across, right? Yeah. And you got to convince yourself first, right? Yeah. You, you have to be your first sale. And I don't mean pump yourself up, but I mean like, all right, what is it that I'm trying to get done here? Is my vision clear? Is it clear for me? Because if it's not clear for you, sure as hell not going to be clear for anybody else. No. And and, and I wonder how many people who who start like on their own, probably no way to really study this, honestly. So all we can do is maybe allude to it or or make some um, inferences. But how many people could really go from one to a company and grow it? if they didn't have a direction as an individual to begin with. And I wonder how many companies or businesses fail. You know that you probably heard that term. It's like what, 70 or 80 or 90% fail within X number of years after they start. I wonder how much of that is that root cause of not having that direction, that clear, decisive direction. Yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea. And you don't need to have the, I had somebody come in to see me a couple of weeks ago and they had this massive plan mapped out. It was beyond clear. It's like, Here's the five year, the three, right. the one year goal, the three year goal, the five year goal, the ten year goal. And here's all the things we're going to do, and here's all the blah 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 blah. Good. How much action are you taking on that right now? Or when did when did I said when did you do that? When, when was that last updated? Um, and the guy said, "Well, we redid really it in October of last year." <laughs> you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? So you you've got this great plan out there, but you haven't done anything about it. So the opposite can be just as bad. So when I'm talking about clarity. You just need enough clarity that you could turn around and explain to an 11-year-old boy in the street, this is where we're going and this is what we're up to and this is what we're trying to get done. And that kid would go, oh, cool, I get it. Right? <laughs> it's just that level of clarity. Yeah. And if you have that level of clarity and you have to, for me, you, you have to employ the intellectual effort to sit down and do that. It doesn't take mm. long. Okay, what, what what is it that I'm really trying to get done? Where is yeah. it that I really want to go? What, what does success look like if I was just going to put some metrics and some numbers on it? And that way, once you put that together, 
there's no guarantee you're going to make that happen. But here's the deal. You've got a hell of a lot better chance if you've got some direction than if you don't have any. And it's the difference for me, Tom, between being accidental and being intentional. Yep. Right? You're accidental. It's just like stuff just, well, oh, maybe if this happens, maybe going that direction, maybe we bump into this guy. Those are the businesses that tend not to, not to stay around. And you know, it's interesting that that word intention, I just um, did another interview uh, for somebody else who will be on in the trenches in the future here. We talked about this idea of intention and attention and mm-hmm. how without intention, you can't effectively like place your attention. So then where's the activity? Where's the, or where's the profitable, productive activity? Because Got if you're it. not intentional about it, like again, where like then your attention gets grabbed in a million different directions, right? Because you're not intentional about where you put that. And I just think that's interesting that it came up again here and this idea of intention and that being so important because that, and I guess in a matter of speaking, kind of what you're describing, it's here's, here's our intention as a company or here's my intention as an individual. Like this is where I want to go and not even having to be like, yeah, getting to that extreme where we build out this 500 page plan that reminds me of my military days as well because we'd see that happen right and it's like okay yeah this is great i know it's good for like the higher ups they love this stuff but the guys (laughs) on the ground don't care about this at all it's like man what's the what's the next month and the next quarter look like and okay does do we have like an idea that that nests with like the bigger vision here sure whatever that might be but that's pretty simple typically it's like you want to be like you know the best at what you do because if you're the best at what you do then you can support all the other units and all the other people and then you can win win the fight, you know, it's something like there that. You go. So like the military thing, it's a good, good analogy, good, good application, but in the business world, I think just as important, I think that's really fascinating. So it's this idea, we want to have intention, we want to be intentional. And I think of another analogy I think somebody gave recently that, or that resonates with me as I think about it. So I live in the mountains. If I wanted to get like, I don't know, go to the ocean, I wouldn't map out like a whole plan. And if I was on foot or something like that, like, yeah, maybe I would look at some maps or something like that of what I had and say, okay, this is probably the best direction. But then it would be like, once we decide, okay, we just got to go west. So, and then this is the general direction we're going to head in. Like, yeah, it seems to me walking. like that's about all you need, like to get started. And then you figure out the the particular difficulties. Oh, like this, we got to traverse some water. Or, okay, we got to go up this really steep incline. And then that stuff always changes. But just going in the west, going west is probably your best bet and just start moving. Listen, I, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, I implore you, he just, Tom just gave you gold there, all right? <laughs> It's like, see it and start walking. Yeah. All right. I was thinking about gold mining one time. Yeah. We took the kids up to gold country and we live in California. Nice. And they, they got little pans and they were able to pretend that they were mining for gold and all this kind of stuff. And the thought came to me, it's called panning for gold. It's not called planning for gold. Right. Like these kids were, they, they were doing something. Yeah. And by the way, I love that your podcast is called In the Trenches. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's not called it's not called in the clouds. It's <laughs> right. in, the, in the trenches. Yeah. And it's funny. It's it, that's another great kind of analogy, but also true. It's like and I, I know I and I say this not as somebody who's mastered it at all. It's like it's actually one of probably my greatest vice, and I recognize it, is this propensity to over plan. And I know mm-hmm. it's it's I know it's a manifestation of like my my own fears of like, dude, like just do it. You know, like th- if, if I, if I could clone myself and then slap myself, I would I'd be like, no, stop it. Like do it. Cause if I'm working with a client or working with somebody else, I, I can, it's very easy for me to just be like, just do this. You're already on the right track. Like keep doing that. Or, Oh no, this is like, you're spinning off this planet right now with all these ideas. Like stop doing that. Do this thing. Like it's very easy from the third party perspective, but internally it's something I, I very much struggle with. And maybe that's another point of why like coaching and mentorship and things like that are so important too. Cause it gets you out of your own head. 
I mean, you couldn't say that any more brilliantly. It's like that that's what coaching's for. Coaching is not about disseminating information, you know, like I'm some kind of Pez dispenser. It's about working with people, and in most cases, really smart people that just get in their own way, right? They are, we, we, all of us, we have blind spots. So one of the things sometimes people are surprised about me is that I have a coach. Well, well if you're a coach, why the hell do you need a coach? Well, because there's things that I don't see. There's things that, that, you know, that I trip myself up on. There's things that I know to do, and then I'm not doing them, right? So that's why you have a coach to just have... Um, some fresh perspective and kind of remove that blind spot. And for most people, when you remove the blind spot, then they're, they're free to, you know, what they say in the airplane, you're free to move about the cabin, right? Yeah. I just want to point out, one of the things I love about you and the short time that we've known each other is you really are a leader because you're a tremendously accomplished person. Like you're really great in your space and you provide great value for customers, but you don't think you're all that in a bag of chips. Your willingness to just point out like what you did a couple of minutes ago there, like mm. where, where you're not perfect or where you do get in your own way, that willingness, so anybody that's listening, the willingness to take stuff on that you couldn't see how to do, the willingness to, mm. real, when you see something that's getting in your own way and, and then being able to do something about it, that's 90% of the battle because if you have the willingness, the skill set will come. Man, that's that's a hopeful thought for me too, you know, and for, hopefully for anybody listening, because that's it, right? It's like that. Cause I'm also very self-critical, right? And it's sure. like so don't get down on myself, but it, that is a it, that is an inspirational, I think, true message, and I, I believe it. I do believe it at my core because you can't change if you don't know what to change. And so I think yeah, there's right. got to be some sort of like introspective nature to anything you do, or if you want to accomplish anything, not to the, the degree where it bogs you down, right? That's the that the extreme, but you'd have to have some yes. part of it. So I do appreciate that insight. You know, another thing we were talking about too was, because it ties into this idea of coaching. So I, I look at coaching and I think to myself, a couple of thoughts came to mind was, one, it like it takes the right amount of humility to get a coach, um, which I think is an important, I don't know, idea. And maybe we could riff on that. But the second thing is, I think a lot of people hesitate, and I've hesitated in the past to get one, because I think there's unfortunately potential snake oil in that space, because, you know, a lot of times it's not do X, get Y. So it's not mm-hmm. direct correlation. So I, that's the unfortunate well, world that we live in, but maybe we've always lived in that world. Like that's just human nature for some people to take advantage of it and to then offer something where there probably isn't a benefit. And you see this, you know, this huge development or huge growth of like, you know, life coaches or whatever. Maybe it's not quite as big as it was before, but I remember like five or 10 years ago, like that was a big thing where like everybody was becoming life coaches. But then you take like, take a step back. You'd be like, I don't know if I want to get coached by this person, like on my life. <laughs> so like, that's, an, that's unfortunate, right? That's the unfortunate byproduct of the nature of of that industry and just like our world. And I guess I, I bring that up to tie that in also to this idea of like effortlessness versus effectiveness that we discussed offline. And I think that ties directly into it, that there's a lot of people selling effortlessness. And I think that's especially dangerous like in anybody who's a coach who sells effortlessness. But anybody who sells effortlessness to some degree, I think is, you know, that's a scary thing. And I don't know if you want to riff on that, uh, Kevin. I don't know which direction we want to go with it, but it was just some thoughts that came to mind. It's a great point, and I'm just trying to figure out how to talk about it in a way that would be useful for your listeners. Yeah. The opportunity that the online space provides people, I think, is is fantastic. I, I think you could create a, a really great living online. I don't have a ton of, I don't do a lot of online stuff myself, but if it's done correctly, you can make a boatload of money, you can provide a ton of value to people, and you can live a really good life. Right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to get, for most people, it doesn't have to get much more complicated than that. No. If you're doing that, you're, you're living a good life. 
this idea of effortless, no, the snake oil thing, yeah. for me, 90% of what I see online about that kind of stuff is unadulterated bull****. Yep. They're selling people on, oh, you won't have to work that hard, go from this to that with no, you know, lose weight by just imagining things or whatever. It's like, it doesn't work. Great example. This isn't to knock him because actually I love his material, but like Tim Ferriss, it's like the four hour work week. Like it's by its nature selling this, this thing that is actually like fictional. And I think, I think most people read it and actually get appreciate it. It's like, okay, yeah, we know it's called the four hour week week. That's like a marketing thing. And underneath it, it's just about, it is more about this effectiveness and optimization. But I think yes. that's the scary thing is like, it's like people saw how successful that is. And you see this natural trend because we know psychologically people are compelled by, you know, doing less, making more like that magic pill. Yep. But it's just, it's a, you can, it's a very slippery slope, right? Well, and it, I love that you say that because the new phase for me is all this stuff about life hacking. Yeah. You know, don't even get me started on that. Um, and I must admit, I'm stupid enough to say that I tried it. I tried the book. Of course, me too. Coffee, <laughs> you put a stick of butter in your coffee. Yeah. As, as I was doing it, right, because I'm interested, I like trying new things. Yeah, and as I was doing it, I'm thinking to myself, you're an absolute moron. Some guy <laughs> just got you to put a stick of butter in your coffee. And my wife's looking at me in the kitchen like, what the hell are you doing? Right? Uh, um, so and funny. not just to knock that one thing, but you said the psychological makeup, Tom. Yeah. All of us at our core, because we're human, right? So we've got all the great attributes about us. And then we've got all the character defects about us too. There is a part of all of us that wants something for nothing. There is a part of yeah. all of us that goes... All right, it would just be great if I could just hit a button and a million dollars would appear, right? The reality is through history, I saw you had some Marcus Aurelius quotes on your site. Um, yeah, big fan. <laughs> what it is, for me, it's not about life hacking. It's about mastery. I'm interested in mastery. And yes. mastery, mastery ain't easy, right? But if you look at anything worthwhile in your life that you've ever accomplished, you know, look at all the stuff you did in the military. Mm. You know, all those the parachute jumps and the crazy stuff that you did. Anything that you've ever done that was was worth anything, it had some sacrifice to it. It had some sweat and some blood and some guts and yep. some moments of like I'm gonna die and yep. you know, literally or figuratively. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun stuff. I think people yeah. should be much more interested in that because that's where the gold is. What a great point. Like so in my spare time, like in the evenings or something like that, or weekends, if I get some extra time, like I like to uh my hobby is like is learning, you know, it's a weird thing, but it's totally, it's like, I'm, I, I love it. And I love psychology. I love some of these things. So I found some really great resources recently. This guy that I've been listening to, uh, Jordan Peterson talking about his maps of meaning. He does this whole lecture series and it's really fascinating. He, he basically takes um, Pinocchio and deconstructs it. And there's, and you think, well, that sounds ridiculous, but man, it's, it's very deep. It's really compelling. And one of the things he talks about is the idea of like in Pinocchio, it's like, this is the, the rabbit hole that Pinocchio goes down is this idea of unearned celebrity. Oh, that's what you basically just described was this idea. We want something for nothing. We are human beings. We buy our nature. We are compelled, you know, by that essentially what is a false promise that you could become famous overnight for, for having done nothing. And we see it in our society with social media because you see some of these figures that become overnight famous for, for literally nothing. They actually didn't add any value to the world. They just became an interesting talking point. And so we all, I think we all are trend towards that. And then that kind of goes along with this other idea that to become better, you have to go through a painful process to get there yeah. in some way, shape, or form. It's never, oh, I'm, I'm here, like I'm unhappy with where I'm at, or I'm not happy with where I'm at, or I'm, I'm, dis I'm discontent. So I can either choose to do nothing, or I can choose to do something, and that something is going to be easy, and it's going to make me better. No, no, no. 
if you choose to do nothing, that's kind of the easy choice and it'll hurt you because it compounds. But if you choose to become better, that's going to hurt immediately. And it's going to hurt much more than doing nothing. And that's the, the thing, right? It's because if I want to be better, I have to actually, I have to go toward the pain or discomfort in some way, shape or form. And that's a weird thing to like, I guess, recognize in this world. And I, I mean, I was just want to riff on that because you kind of brought up this topic that I think is super important. And I think that's it. Like you need to be able to, if you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're a writer, creative, whatever you're trying to do, you have to be actively moving towards discomfort because that's the only path that actually gets you to someplace better than where you are. So what you're saying then is that you need to be in the trenches. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and that's that's how we do this the shameless plugs too. That's right. So everybody's listening to this, go share in the share this episode right now. Somebody you know who's who's working hard or or wants to be working hard and maybe are fooling themselves because they're not working hard right now. And that's another thing, not to get bogged down in this idea of like, I gotta I gotta, you know, put on this facade of of hard work. I gotta say I'm busy, which is again, it's almost like that's like fake news or something like that. Yeah, like it's there's the real stuff, and you know this because you built this on the ground business. And I'm that's the thing I'm super fascinated by because I while I, I was in the military, I, I, I have such deep respect for anybody who built a brick and mortar business to like a substantial degree. And because you you know, you you see you see the tangible results, and I think online it's a little tougher. But I think it just it was so important that you know, it's these small things, these small, annoying, sometimes annoying, sometimes challenging, probably mostly just annoying things that you have to do, you know, little things, but they add up. And it's like, if you're doing those little things, that, I mean, that's how it felt like in the military for me. It's like, oh, I got to go do this thing. I got to prep this thing. I got to put in this report. I got to go do these weapons inspections. We got to do these checks. We got to do these QAQCs. And it's like, yeah, a lot of it, you could probably just broadly define as just annoying tasks. That's how you feel after a while, but then you're like, no, because each one of these, there's a, there's, there is purpose behind it um, most of the time, and that purpose helps you achieve whatever that goal or objective is. And I think that's important. I think that people lose sight of that as well. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. And the, the thing about God, this is probably the least motivational statement you'll ever hear. Life isn't supposed to be a series of high points, right? Like twenty four seven. I mean, if life was a series of absolute high points twenty four seven a day your head would explode after about three days. Yeah. Just going from one high point to another. I want to be able to be involved in all of my life. I want the messy stuff. I want the great stuff. I want the in-between stuff. I have a good time wherever I go and whatever's going on, right? That's my goal. My, you know, you, you put projects in front of yourself or you put goals or targets. For me, that's just a way to to figure out how I can be lit up and be involved in the moment and whatever I'm doing right now. So like talking to you right now, there's nothing going on in my world right now that is any more important than talking to you. My focus is completely here. I'm 100% here. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do when we're done. And it's a hell of a way to live your life. Yeah, it, it really is. I, you know, because I, I also, when I think about it too, how attractive multitasking is, there's another, that's like life hacking, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like putting butter in your right. coffee. And then you're like, yeah, you know, that just doesn't work in the long, long run. It's actually, it's the opposite. Like, I don't know about the, the butter thing, but definitely the multitasking thing is not an effective way to move forward. And it's, yeah. it's what it is, it's just all it does is train you to get distracted very easily. And it's like, I don't know how you build anything by being distracted all the time. Here's a simple exercise I'll give for your listeners. I do this with clients. If you want to think multitasking works, I would have you go do this. Go to your Spotify playlist or whatever and pick two of your favorite songs, <laughs> but you, ha you have to pick them from different genres, right? So one might be a rap song and the other one might be a nice piece of 
yo-yo my classical music or whatever. Get two devices, and I want you to play them together at the exact same time for the entire length of the song. Now, some of you will say, oh, you'll intellectually do this in your head, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about going and doing that. Um, and if you go do that, I guarantee you, you, you'll almost never multitask again because you remember that. I love that. And that's it because it's like chaos, right? Yeah, total chaos. It's chaos and it ruins two of the coolest songs. Yeah, so don't pick the songs that you really love. <laughs> Maybe just that you like because you'll never be able to listen to them again. Um, that's so funny. I did it with a client in Los Angeles and he called me up and he, he was like cussing me out over the telephone because he, <laughs> he said I'd ruined his songs forever. That's so funny. Interesting. Well, Kevin, I know we're at the top of the hour. I want to respect your time. Where can people reach out to find more about you? And uh, maybe even if they're like, man, I, I want to learn more about Kevin and maybe I even want to work with him. Where would they go? Uh, easiest place is waldronleadership.com. Perfect. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches with us today. Great conversation. I had a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.